yak babies, sex, presidents, and sometimes books. Welcome to Yak Babies, the only podcast on the internet sponsored by Saxophone Glue. Seal up your hoot tube. My name's Aaron, and my personal pal's Dave. Good evening, boys. Oh boy, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Brutal reviews coming in for the intro (laughs) for the sponsor. (laughs) This is totally savage. Uh, We have Brick over here. Good afternoon. Thank you. And of course, we have new Colorado Nico. Uh, Good morning, boys. Telling it like it is. Uh, Folks, this week we're talking about introductions. Uh, You crack the book. And the first thing you see is an intro, maybe written by a famous writer or a critic or a historian or, I don't know, somebody, or a preface or a foreword or anything like that. And you have to ask yourself, are you going to wade through this introduction? How long is it? Is it 15 pages or maybe even two? Or do you skip that and go straight to the book and just get cracking with the plot and then maybe come back to the intro later on? And then also, afterwards, when your book is finished, do you go to the afterward and keep reading? Or are you done and put the book away? I want to hear my personal pal's thoughts on this. You know, how much do you attend to the sort of extra matter of a book? Uh, so just like the basic, you know, story being told. So I guess it has to be a hit, like a, an older book then, right? Because it's, because there's no, like no first run printing would really have that kind of an introduction, right? Yeah, I will. I don't know. Well, I, would, I mean, if it's something. I feel like nonfiction books do. Like sometimes they're there for context. Yeah, for context or whatever, right? To explain the, you know, or like you know a book where the author's dead or whatever even if it's not a reprint yeah there's some scenarios for the most part i think you're right for the most part it's a it's a i mean i think cynically sometimes when there's a famous person attached it's a it's a little bit to justify a new edition yeah right i I think Mm -hmm. uh who was it was it barnes and noble one of the one of one of the bookstores 10 15 years ago was doing a lot of Slapping introductions on public domains and then selling them as premium titles, oh, right. kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Barnes and yeah, Noble. They've since now, now you can buy. It was a Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. Now you can buy them the cheap there, which is the way it should be. Just spend six bucks and get it. Right. But uh, yeah, that was a thing for a bit. I usually skip the introduction unless it's a book I've mm-hmm. read before, and then I will typically read it at the end. Mm-hmm. Maybe not typically. Maybe half the time I will read it at the end, and half the time I'm done for the book and the book is done for me so the reason i don't read them at first is i i feel like a lot of times they go on the assumption you've already read the book yeah. and they uh will either spoil things or they'll talk about something that i don't want i don't want it to i don't i mean we've talked about spoilers plenty i don't care about spoilers but i, I don't want to read something that's going to change my opinion of the book before i read it if i can avoid it yeah right which I guess is kind of a spoiler, but I don't know. I feel like it's it, it taints it a little bit for me. If I go, in, it changes my expectation going into the book. It, usually for the worse, right? Usually it, it it then sets it up as something bigger and grander, and then it, I can find myself being disappointed when it's not the case. Yeah, that's that's exactly what my thing is too. Like I feel kind of soft brain sometimes when it comes to reading, and like if I read an intro. I feel like I'm easily, like it can easily change the way I approach uh, the reading of a book. And I don't want that kind of influence. I want the experience that I would have without any other sort of external influence. I mean, you know, I'm going to know a thing or two, I guess, about most books that I go into, particularly if they're older and like classics and obviously come with intros now. But 
you know, I don't want to read something in depth that might change the way that I read a book. I'll read the intro afterwards, like you, Brick, if I'm curious to know more about it. I think if the intro is short and I can tell it's not going to be like a, it's not going to be like a, a plot revealer or they're not going to go to too much depth and like the, the take is kind of more like a sort of a seasoning or kind of like a, a teaser maybe. I'll read that for sure. Because like when I watch, you know, Turner Classic Movies, for instance, when they show movies in the evenings, they have a little intro or I guess the afternoons too. They have one of the hosts as a little intro for like five minutes before the movie and kind of like sits it up and tells you some context, tells you about the director, the stars, or, you know, whatever was going on. It's nice to have a little bit of information about it. Uh, so I like that. But I, when I read the intro for White Noise, even though I'd read it before, so it wasn't a new book to me. I hadn't read it for a long time. And I read the intro, which was, I thought was quite good. But then when I read it, I was like, oh, I should have read this later. Because it kind of like, it set a certain tone for the book for me that maybe I would have wanted to experience on my own and then come to that intro later so i'm with brick i think that the sort of definition of what an intro is or should do is i think tricky and not everyone maybe approaches it the way they think they should like an intro should literally be an intro not critique i guess or not like you know literary criticism mm. i think just like historical context mostly yeah a little bit of that you know a little bit of like hype maybe you know things to like get excited about or but like it should be teasers it should be sort of like this you'll you'll like this you'll you'll enjoy this whatever and here's the book uh, and then save the other yeah. stuff for for later. Unless, like you said, it's something I've read and, and already know really well. In that case, I do want that stuff because yeah. I've already framed my opinion of the book. So I was trying to think of uh, intros that I've read recently. And the one that sticks out in my mind is uh, I read the audiobook of The Stand. Oh, yeah. The new, the new version of The Stand by Stephen King. And the intro that he had written was 20 minutes long in the audiobook. And that is excruciating when you can't like, so I, I, I mean, I think I skim, skim them, you know, right. when I'm reading the book. Cause it's like, I don't need to read every word of that. Like, I'm just trying to get the gist of, of what the intro is saying and then move on. So having to, having to sit there and listen to 20 minutes of, of Stephen King, just talk about, complain about his publisher. And, <laughs> and the, the entire intro was talking about how, his publisher had in the original version had made him cut out 500 pages. Wow. And, and then he was triumphantly, he had uh, added them back in this new version. God. And it was very much like, this is the stand for Stan fans and all this shit. And I, and Stan I mean, maybe that did color. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe that did color my experience of it because I was like, yeah, this is wordy as shit. This should have all been cut, you know. <laughs> was that book already a thousand pages long? Yeah, yeah. So it's fifteen hundred pages when he added the five hundred pages back in. What did you think and of that's it? That's the kind of shit that's like, you know. I thought I agreed with his editor. I thought it, they should have cut it. I think they should have cut it down to a tight five hundred pages. Like, let's <laughs> let's get real. There's not that much. I don't need to hear about every character's breasts. Like, come on. <laughs> Oh, see, I would leave that stuff in. I'd cut the rest of it. Only that stuff, yeah. <laughs> it's like 40 pages about tits. <laughs> he calls them jahoobies. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that from an old game that you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God. That's incredible. It's wild. Yeah, I can see that being yeah. a taxing experience, but that also strikes me as this is the addition for, like, stand heads. This is, like, you're going to want to get 
especially if it's the right. expanded, you know, by a third, whatever, or by half version. It's like, well, here you go. Right. Well, here to want a 20 minute intro from Stephen King talking about it because that's just the right. level right. of and then, bloviation you're going to get. Yeah. But that's the only version there is now. Oh, there wow. is no original version because it because you know he's he did the taylor swift thing you know it's like this is my version now <laughs> which sometimes is fine and sometimes it's like you actually do need an editor they do serve a purpose right you don't just need yeah. to follow your every impulse wherever it goes yeah i guess if you're yeah. at that level if you're stephen king you you can't get away with that and that's because yeah you can't i just think it makes the book worse Right, right. He can, of course, he can get away with it. He can do it. He basically doesn't have an editor anymore, as far as I can tell. Right. So, side question: Have any of you ever bought a book of any kind because there was an introduction by someone that you like? <laughs> no, it's just the nerdiest of. I think at most that might tell influence. us about when you did this, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, definitely have. Yeah, <laughs> like if I'm at a half price books and I have like four different versions of a book that I mm. want to buy, then if I see an intro from someone I'm interested in, then I'll probably I'll choose that one. But that's the only time I can see that having an influence. Yeah, totally. I did buy when we did Lord of the Flies for Canon or Canon, uh, the old version. I did buy the edition that had the intro by Lois Lowry because I wanted to see what she had to say about it, as opposed to like an earlier version, which was cheaper. Yeah, I would do that. I would I would choose I would choose the version with the intro over the one that doesn't. But I don't know if I would just like if there's just a random book on the shelf and I liked whoever wrote the introduction. I don't know that that would get me to buy the book. Yeah, sometimes it does for me. <laughs> maybe it would. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't. I just, maybe it just never happened. I might this stay in the bookstore and read it without buying the book. Hmm. Yeah, right. It happens a lot in comics when they like a trade paperback is, is collected or a graphic novel comes out, they usually get someone to write an intro for it. And so if I see that Grant Morrison wrote the intro, I'm going to pick that up because I want to see what he had to say about it. And then one time I know for sure, Patton Oswalt wrote an intro for a collection of this series called Criminal that was called The Seduction of the Innocent. And it was like, uh, I, I, I knew about the series beforehand, but I hadn't read it because I just didn't, it wasn't interesting to me necessarily. But it was about, it was like taking the Archie character's and kind of making them archetypes and then sort of turning them, putting them into a crime story. Like what if Archie got involved in like a robbery, like a drug deal with Jughead and then like fucking Veronica was the femme fatale, like that kind of shit. Right. And when I saw the collected edition came out and Pat and Oswald did the intro, I was like, well, Pat and Oswald likes it. I should read that. And so I definitely bought it because I wanted to see like what the intro said. Mm-hmm. And then I read the rest of it and I liked it. But what got me to pick it up off the shelf was not my prior interest in either Ed Brubaker or, the series criminal but in my love of pat and oswald and like my thinking that he was someone who was like mm. opinion i trusted so yeah I, i'm definitely susceptible to this for sure mm. nice <laughs> is it nice <laughs> it's very stupid yeah, a, yeah. well because the problem with it too is that very rarely is it that satisfying because you read an intro you're like oh yeah this person's voice you're kind of getting a little taste of it and it's fun and you're like oh yeah like yeah. i said i like them when they do comedy and i like hearing their thoughts but like it wasn't like i read their intro and was like oh my life has changed from this you know right their thoughts usually sort of like a you know generous interpretation of text and it has maybe a little bit a couple references maybe or something but it's never that rewarding but i I definitely will fall for it continually i mean he does seem like he he would also like he would be funny and he would also know every single issue of whatever comic book he's writing about yeah totally and that's part of the appeal was like this is someone who 
I like as a comedian, but also as like a comic book dork too. So I know that he's going to know the stuff and mm-hmm. he's going to have an interesting take on it, which is true. But just like it's also yeah. just two pages, right? <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's, right. it's not that much extra value. An associated controversy in comics, or not controversy, I guess, but a question in comics is back matter. So sometimes, especially image comics, because they're usually they're they're self published books, so they'll come with stuff in the back like essays by the writers or artists. Sometimes they'll get guest writers to write essays. Uh, actually, Ed Brubaker does this a lot for his books where he gets someone to write about the history of pulp novels or horror or something. He did a, a series called Fatal that had kind of a Lovecraft theme and he got writers to write about H.P. Lovecraft in the back matter. So you read, you know, a 22 or 30 page or sometimes 40 page comic and then get to a five page essay in the back. And sometimes you're like, Oh great. More information. And then sometimes you're like, Oh God, a fucking essay. I have to read this shit now. <laughs> so to translate that to like sort of non comics work too, like I feel like that's the kind of Norton anthology thing where you get a book and you have like a bunch of stuff to read after it. Do you guys like that? Do you like pick up Norton anthologies intentionally ever? And if so, do you engage with them or what's your, what's your patience for back matter? I mean, it depends on the comics. I straight <laughs> and then I get frustrated when, when there is a comic that, I mean, it wasn't once I figured it out it wasn't frustrating. But like Watchmen, yeah. Well, maybe it's just an Alan Moore thing because also the the um, from Hell the same deal. Like that that stuff was the stuff beyond the the panels was integral yeah. into the story and, and yeah. understanding mm-hmm. thing. But mostly, I don't need to read some guys' essays. I do like when they put the variant covers in the mm, back. Yeah, for sure. But with books, it's different. Uh, again, if it's a book that I've read more than once, right? Um, I want those extra things, right? Like, I, I really like, we've talked about this before, The kind of like the Norton Anthology, the Bedford St. Martin. Mm-hmm. Criticism ones I have, there's, it's, there's just like 10 or 15 of them. And the back has criticism of different, like the, the Frankenstein one has a whole section on feminist criticism and then a separate section on like psychoanalysis, criticism via psychoanalysis, things like that. That's sort of curated in a, in a specific yeah. way that can enhance the reading of, you know, uh, books that I've read a number of times. I got additions of that for, you know, Frankenstein. And that's one of the, one of the Joyce books. I can't remember if it's Portrait of the Artist or uh, the Dubliners. I think mm. it's the Dubliners. A few others. David, but yeah. Yeah. I, the most honest answer would be to say I like the idea of having all of that stuff at my disposal. And I like, like, I'll come across a Norton edition, a used bookstore and be like, fuck, man, I would really love to just sit down and read all of this, like the stories or books or whatever that are in it and all of the commentary surrounding it. But then, you know, realistically, it's just not a thing. It's like not hmm. not anything that I can do or would do if I could even. So yeah, in theory, I like it, but in practice, it's not something that I do, you know, outside of what we originally started talking about. It's like an intro or a quick afterward. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Since so sort of like is yeah. in becomes part of the text versus trying to like sit down and read a bunch of extra, you know, scholarly articles about interpretations of this text mm-hmm. to a Marxist lens or whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. I like I, I like the back back that kind of back matter feels more optional because mm-hmm. you can just because it's you've already got what you came for so if it doesn't if it doesn't like really interest you I feel like I can just skip it immediately yeah but when it is actually in a comic book and and you get done with the comic book and then and then there's like six pages of just you know columns of text 
that's a tough transition. That's a tough transition <laughs> yeah. to, to switch into like just reading a textbook kind of a thing. Yeah, I rarely manage to finish those. But the ones that where it's like, here's our process. And like, yeah, I like those. Where there's, you know, like early sketches and that kind of thing. You know, with comic books in particular, I think it just shows my experience level with it. But um, I'm sometimes unclear that the comic book itself has ended or has ended and that what I'm reading is, right. is back matter. I'm like, wait, what the fuck is happening? And it'll take me a couple of pages. <laughs> like, yeah. This is not related to the story. Yeah. This is just extraneous <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Why am I reading a letter now from a writer? <laughs> I think this is not yeah. part of the yeah. story I was engaging with. Look, I mean, yeah, or like the Watchmen when it's, when it's like, it is part of the story. Yeah. And it's yeah, like just a different, yeah. That's the, I think that Alan Moore does it the best because it, it is like fundamental to the text and he's playing with the medium mm-hmm. and your expectations of it. So I, I do like what he does best. I'm not as fond of the modern version where it's the writer being like, okay, so I'm going to tell you all about my history with this story and why I wanted to tell it so bad. Like one day I found a rock and it was very special. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of like, I don't care about that really as much. Artist stuff I care way more about. Because I want to see that process, and I love seeing the sketches and the different color washes. That's all really cool stuff. And sometimes the writer can be okay. Uh, sometimes those it's just can be revealing. But usually they're just like they're kind of they're trying to set up. Often they're trying to set up a world for their book. That's like get ready for more. We're gonna have a letters column. We're gonna have a special spinoff book. We're gonna have this and that. And kind of like they're trying to like sort of like hype you on this. Like we're gonna go on a journey with this book, and then you don't pick up issue two because the first one wasn't that great it just feels like yeah i can see what you want to do with this one but like i'm not gonna i'm not going with you on this trip man this this was not worth it do you guys ever read sometimes you get books where they have like the book club discussion questions in the back do you ever read those (laughs) yeah they're always so bad yeah those are fun yeah they're terrible (laughs) (laughs) very much the sort of like i I, it's the the idea of like putting the cliff notes in the book right we're just like i just put them yeah publish them the same time that's fine Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I would be there anyway. I don't think I've done that since you did it, Aaron, during it was like a a book about the a choir, like a novel the choir something and the <laughs> you read the yeah, study questions was, in the black that were just <laughs> absurd. <laughs> yeah. Carl Weber. It was that like romance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shit, I wish I could remember more <laughs> about that. I think I still have that book somewhere. <laughs> At the end, we were inventing our own, like, <laughs> bring me some water, as if Carl Weber wrote them himself. <laughs> bring me some water. <laughs> Would you guys ever read Cliff's Notes? Was that ever something you did when you were a student? I read them a ton as a teacher. Sure. Yeah, I think sometimes. Or, like, just plot summaries to just to. A lot of times I'll do that just to make sure, like, I am understanding what's actually happening. Right. Yeah, I used to buy the yellow ones back when, back when Cliff's Notes were books. Yeah, when it was a thing you could publish, and it wasn't just swallowed by Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. I never bought it. I always, yeah. I was. I definitely had some in high school. Yeah, I didn't use them to replace. I usually use them to help make sure my papers weren't <laughs> bad. Right. Mm-hmm. Make sure you know the themes. Yeah, make sure I didn't miss something like an ecosystemic or I didn't miss something obvious. Yeah, to fully comprehend yeah. the meaning. And they weren't, they were like three bucks. They weren't very expensive. There was like a whole rack of them at the bookstore. Yeah, totally. I mean, like the, the 
the dress, the the publication dress of those was very like stunning. It was like the black and white. It looked like something that was illegal. Looks like caution yeah. tape. It was like yeah, it was, it was yellow and black and had little spots uh, was, like yeah, it looked like police tape. It looked, it looked like caution yeah. tape. Yeah, and it fucked me up. Like I was like so I was already like such a good student. I would never have like box. I thought it was cheating. And then, like, when you see it, and you're like, it's also, it looks like it's fucking illegal. <laughs> I was like, well, no way. I'm definitely not going to buy these things. I was so, like, not afraid, but just, like, cliff notes are, like, drugs. I'm not going to, this is not for me. I'm going to say no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to go on a cliff notes binge now as an adult and get my fix. Is it still there, or did it get subsumed by Spark I know notes? they they publish them online. You can definitely pay a subscription, like get Cliff's notes online now. But I, I mean, what fool would Wikipedia is right there. Yeah. Well, listeners tell us about your experience with the extra matter of books, intros, forwards, afterwards, all that kind of stuff. Do you engage with it? Do you like it? Do you not let us know by emailing us at yakbabiespodcast at gmail.com with those thoughts. You can also find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash yakbabies, where we have our bonus secret podcast. It's secret because, well, you'll find out. It only costs you a dollar a month to get there, and there's all kinds of content, including our forum, where you can sort of pose questions and engage with us if you'd like to. The episodes there are great. There's tons of fun stuff. We recently uh, almost concluded a sub-series about Pickle Jokes, 101 Pickle Jokes Ranked, where we went through Bob Vlasic's Pickle Joke book and got really mad about those jokes because they're really fucking bad and, and lost our minds to that. There's also a previous joke series about ghost jokes, which is even crazier. And there's just like Brotherbook conversations. Snack Babies lives there. Snack Babies, the, the series setting the world on fire where we get into the world of snacks. There's tons to enjoy there for that single dollar a month. Check it out. And of course... This episode will be uh, <laughs> paired up with revelations of what you do before yes. recording. There's so there is some forbidden material in this episode that will, I'm sure, make its way to the Patreon. And then, of course, we have our merch, tinyurl.com slash jackbabies, where we have t-shirts and mugs and posters that Brick designed. They're really funny, and we're checking out there. And look for new, ups, uh, new merch sometime soon. Until then, Yak Babies, yakking off. The Yak Babies would like to thank all the loyal listeners, and especially their patrons, both past and present, including Michael, Bonnie, Sebastian, David, Roger, Kathleen, Bailey, Andrew, Gilbert, and William Howard Taft. Oh.